0: Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Deathblade. And we're going to be talking about sort of the the role that research plays uh, when you're creating things for, for wuxia and chan and, uh, you know, a- any kind of writing, really, but in particular, those, those genres. Um, so, uh, I don't know, I, I guess to start off, uh, you've been working on, or you just sort of finished Legends of Ogregate, so... What uh? What kind of research toward the end were you finding helpful for that process?
1: Well, I think Legends of Ordei is a pretty was a, yeah. more difficult than the average story might have been because it was a, an attempt to reflect a certain period of time in Chinese history, and uh, so your the game universe you created, the world of, of Qixian, is based on historical China and i think the the modern day setting of the world is is song dynasty china right
0: yeah it's song yeah i mean it's not right. actual song but it's like
1: not Nowadays. song
0: dynasty china yeah
1: yeah and so but i was writing a 1000 years before that and so mine was a, more of a reflection of like around the han dynasty and so if, even me going into it, I was just thinking, oh, all right, you know, it's ancient China, whatever. I've seen a lot of Kung Fu movies, so I, that's probably easy to do. But no, it's not as easy to do if you're trying to um, make it a, at least a, 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 an accurate or semi-accurate reflection. And, and actually, what really brought that home to me was when you pointed out to me that I had, char- I had the characters in a scene... Uh, sitting down at chairs around a desk, and you pointed out, or maybe it was a table eating food or something, and you pointed out to me that uh, chairs weren't even, didn't really exist in the time period in China that I was, you know, attempting to reflect, or, or if they did, they had just been recently introduced and weren't commonly used, especially in things like restaurants and stuff like that. And that was when it was actually that moment where I was like, all of a sudden, it struck me, wow, I'm, I need to you know, do a little bit more research into what I'm into what I'm writing because, yeah, the Han Dynasty was a really, really, really long time ago. And so if I'm going to write in a world that's analogous to that, I can't just, you know, make stuff up. And so from that point on, any time I encountered anything from a type of food that they were eating to, uh, you know, what kind of clothing they might be wearing or what kind of weapons they might be using, uh, obviously it's a fictional world, but I tried to do my best to make it, um, reflect what it would have been like, uh, in that time period in China. Do you
0: find that, uh, I mean, you, you, you live in China and you speak Chinese, so do you find that those are useful tools for you? Like, like, is that like, cause one of the things that I encounter when I'm trying to look things up is, is like, I'll, I'll try to look up like armor or something, right? Like on the internet, if I don't have a book, say, and I'll inevitably come upon a page of material that looks incredible, but it's it's all Chinese characters describing the D. De- and so, I'm, I'm a, I would, I think, oh wow, if I only knew Chinese, I could I could I could crack open this this code on this page. So you must you must have all these opportunities to 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 learn, or I don't know, maybe you just find it more overwhelming because now there's like, you know, four times as much material for you to go over. Um, it's a little bit of
1: both, I'd say. I mean. It's, it, it's definitely overwhelming, and the, I'm getting better as the years go by at reading Chinese, but I'm obviously nowhere near uh, my English reading level. And, and as you can imagine, if you're trying to look up information on Armour, you can pull up an article and you can kind of scan it pretty quickly and, and decide, okay, this is, this is what I'm looking for, and then read it more closely or just be like, oh, this is a waste of time. But I can't really scan stuff in Chinese, not not and you know get the main points of the article and then go back to read it. I have to actually read it from the beginning, and so that makes it very difficult. Um, and so I don't tend to do that. I I tend to if there's if it goes beyond a certain point where I'm not certain right away that the information is relevant and it's what I want, then I have to like ask my wife to do it for me because she's Chinese, so I can be like, hey. Can you do this? And this, the thing is, she doesn't like, she's not interested in history. She likes, you know, like makeup and things like that. So she does not like, you know, researching ancient Chinese. You're- oh, for example, one of the things that came up, because this is uh, something from the uh, Wandering Heroes of Old Gate setting, is the word system in, uh, in the cities and how they would have, um, you know, people in charge of certain sections of the city, but they were separate from the military and separate from the police, and, and you had asked me about it, and I was curious about it, and you know, I forced her to like sit down and read this really long article, but forcing her to sit down and read the article doesn't work very often. So to answer the question, it does help. I can look up articles, and that it does help a lot. Many, many times the information that you can find about certain stuff um, is more readily available, and if, I'll give you another example, and this doesn't come from Gate stuff, it comes from a different thing, uh, which was my father-in-law, um, so he's Chinese, He sent, and he doesn't really speak English. Um, he sent me this link uh, to, you know, like Chinese culture things that foreigners should know. And I knew like 99 out of 100 of the things that were on that list, but there was one thing that struck me, and it was a kind of a weapon called a tongue saber i think Mm -hmm. and and the reason it stuck out to me was because first of all i'd never heard of it and second of all the picture looked weird to me and as as i did my research i i found out that the picture associated with that article which was in chinese was incorrect um but in order to find out the information about this Tang saber i couldn't find anything in the um, of course, I was out and about I wasn't at home But I was on my phone like looking up Wikipedia articles and searching on Google. and So I couldn't find any in- information uh, About it. So I had to go look up the information in Chinese So there's definitely a lot of stuff out there that you don't have access to unless you can you can look at it in the original language
0: Yeah, I've, I mean I've definitely come across pages on clothing and stuff where there will be like di- like images of the clothing and like it won't be a lot of Chinese, but it'll be just enough that it'll, it'll you know just be like explaining what this portion of the gown is, or what maybe what period it's from, and uh, and so th- you know those are the ones that always end up frustrating me uh, when I when I see them because they look like they'd be really useful, but uh, what I don't know what, one of my problems it's not a problem but one of the things that sort of is frustrating for me is when you're working on something that's related to history you obviously can't just make up whatever you want i mean you can but you know every time you do that you feel compelled to sort of check it against the history sometimes and and so you end up in these situations where to get like a tiny bit of text you have to do a, a lot of research it's like it, it's like you like that one little paragraph that took you three books to get you know like like uh like i remember one time i was i don't know i i had, i i wanted to know about how markets worked or something and I just needed this one little description in, in a module, and I think I had to read two books just to get the information in the in, in like that one little tiny section. Um, and so I don't know. Like, do you do you find that to be the case when you're?
1: So, yeah, definitely. I mean, whether it was in uh, Legends of or I mean, for so for Legends of Volgair. I mean, like I already said. Um, well, when I went into it, I was trying to like. Emulate the Chinese web novel sort of like format structure and practice where it's um, putting out a high volume of chapters relatively quickly. And I very, you know, it didn't take long before I abandoned that because I wanted it to be better writing and um, more accurate in terms of the historical stuff. And so then every single little thing that came up, I would have to stop. So the chapters took me a lot longer to write, and exactly like. You, and it actually, this came from you as well, because I remember in one of the early chapters of Obergate, I had the characters eating something. I don't remember what it was. It was like string beans or, or something. And you asked me, you were like, um, had those, had that been introduced into into China at this point in history? And I was like, dang, I didn't even think about that. And so from then on, any little thing that I had them um, eat or drink, I would look up. And, and for example, you have sorghum wine in your... Game universe, and I from very early on I had them drinking that, and then I, then I was thinking, wait a second, when was that introduced into China? And so I ended up doing a whole video on that on my YouTube channel about alcohol when it was introduced. And thankfully, I think I'm safe to say that it it could exist at that time period. Um, and then, and that I mean, in terms of my YouTube channel, it's the same thing. I try to keep those YouTube videos to be like. About ten minutes, and some of them go into the fifteen or twenty-minute range, which I, I try to keep it a little bit shorter than that. But I, I my uh, same thing. My original idea for that YouTube um, channel was to answer the the questions that I see all the time in the comments of the novels, and I was thinking, well, I already know the answers to the questions, so it should be really easy, right? I just turn on the video, like talk for a couple minutes, answer the question, it'll be done, three or four minutes. And then I very quickly realized that other than a few obvious topics that i didn't need to do research research about a lot of that stuff i didn't feel comfortable putting myself you know in the position of somebody who at least kind of knows what they're talking about Mm -hmm. without doing research so the clothes video i think i don't remember um we were talking about this earlier before we started recording but i did a video about the kind of clothing that they would wear in these kind of settings and that was another thing where I thought I would just, you know, kind of talk for a couple of minutes. And then I ended up doing hours and hours of research just to do a you know, 15 or 20 minute video. And then, and then I had to search for the images. And so, yeah, it it, it, it kind of it's kind of like a rabbit hole. Once you go down, it's hard to, to climb back out until you reach the bottom.
0: No, that that was one of the more interesting videos. I, I it's I, I actually I, I want to watch it again because I was I, I was listening to it in my car. And so I didn't. Uh... Sorry about that. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't uh, see the. Um, I didn't actually see most of the video. I just. Uh, I just got to listen to most of
1: it. So. Oh. Oh yeah. I got a lot of pictures in there, so you got to check that out.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, well, it, I. I. I saw some of it. Like I pulled over at a certain point and and started and started looking at it, but. Uh, but I, I would definitely recommend the video because even just the informational content
1: I thought was, you know, really really good. Um Have you ever run across a situation where like either um, you were like mind blown by some tidbit that you found in your research or maybe uh, was there ever any time when you, you know, in doing your research all of a sudden realized you had, you know, made a mistake in your previous assumptions or something along those lines?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't think of specific times, but I know that's happened to me a lot, like both of those things. Um, I... I I think the thing that uh, that always kind of gets me is when I see like technology that like I didn't realize could have existed at a point in time that it did or or, or an institution that's like really advanced and you're like, oh wow, they they, they had that at this time you know those kind of things are the ones that always impress me the most. Um, and the and the errors are you know I mean unless you unless you like know everything you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. Uh, also, I think there's, I think the way I look at it, I think that there are, so number one, it's a fantasy world, so there any, so certain mistakes or differences from the real world could be fine. Like, like the food example, we could have just decreed, okay, well, potatoes weren't here at this time, but darn it, they're gonna have potatoes. It's just different, you know, <laughs> pota- you know, chi has potatoes. Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought there. But I think that. Uh... Oh no, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, you were you were going along with the it's a fantasy world, which is definitely true. And for example, one big difference is that um in TCM there's there is only one continent, and in the real world there there are more than one. There there are more than there is more than one continent. There are there are many continents. I guess you could say. So for example, like in um, and this comes up with spicy food because. Um, I have spicy food come up fairly early on in, in, in Legends of Boer Gate, which, you know, hot peppers didn't get introduced into China until way later. But I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of that would be because of the fact that they came from a different continent, as opposed to Qisian is all in one big continent. So I think that leaves a lot more room to explain why certain technologies or certain um, you know, foods or whatever would show up um, when they might not have in China.
0: Yeah. And it's a square shaped continent. So it's, it's, right. it's a very practically uh, <laughs> though there is a stealth continent. There is sort of the islands to the, you know, where you could sort of have other things. Coming yeah, that's, from. True. Um, that's true. But, uh, oh, I, I, um, uh, I remember what the, what the other thing was, is I think there are certain kinds of mistakes that are uh, justifiable because they're genre related. So like, if there's something that is just, you know, it just is in, like, every Kung Fu movie, no matter what era it's set, it, set in, I think that's okay if you're doing, like, a Kung Fu setting and you want to, you know what I mean? Like, you know, some, sometimes those sort of things are fine. Um, yeah.
1: We, in fact, there was one that came up, and this makes me think of two things. I'll say the first one. The first one was the whole um, uh, messages sent by birds thing because I, I, I asked you about this, and, like, this one was really, like, bothered me because I especially as I got toward the end of the novel I was really trying to maintain as much accuracy as I could and toward the end of the novel there's a situation where people are split up across the continent and I, I was having trouble trying to decide how they would communicate and and I did a lot of research into the whole bird messenger thing and f- from all the research I could could, could find in both um, Chinese and English and is that birds weren't used to send messages until at least the mongol period Mm. um and so i was really thinking i was really struggling with that and then you were just like oh it's a fantasy setting and kung fu movies all have them so i think it's okay and i was like all right i
0: feel like every single wuxia television series i've seen like relies on on uh bird messengers to a ridiculously accurate degree and so i think it's safe territory i mean i I'm not a hundred percent sure that I've seen birds in like earlier eras, but I'm like ninety nine percent sure right. that in shows set so, in earlier eras, I've seen I've seen them like that. Um,
1: that brings up an interesting topic that I mean, you could probably do a whole you know podcast or just on this one topic, which is how the kung fu and musha novels and movies and stuff how they sort of affect our perception of reality especially historical reality um, and again you're you're absolutely right They're fantasy they're, they're fictional settings um but i think number one is you always have to ask yourself the question of how much were the creators of whatever tv show or movie that you're watching how much were they concerned with historical accuracy my guess would be probably not very much um especially if it's a chinese production i think that for the most part, especially the entertainment stuff, I really don't think that many of the directors are focusing hugely on historical accuracy. And then, of course, the whole martial arts plays a, a big part of it, too. I've been reading this book. It's called Chinese Martial Arts <clears throat> Excuse me, by Peter. I think his name is pronounced Lorgi, but is it Lorgi or Lorge or Lorg? I don't know how to pronounce not, his name. I'm but... not
0: sure either, but I, I had the
1: same question. <laughs> yeah. I hope he doesn't listen to this and get offended. Um, but uh, basically, that really has been sort of mind-blowing to me. I mean, I always knew that um, things in the movies and stuff are not real. You know, not, I obviously know that. But I think a lot of our perception of the, the whole martial arts stuff is affected by how, how... And by we, I just mean fans of the genre are affected by all the movies and things we've seen. Whereas reality was a very different different thing, um, both in terms of the historical stuff like the birds or just the mere fact that, you know, like, you know, the whole thing about Shaolin being the, you know, the center of martial arts is is very historically, like, not very solid until way later in history. Um, so I think there's a lot of things like that. And and sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but the third, I, I thought of a third point, which also comes into it, which is how the translation comes across and that has a huge effect on how english speakers view it because a lot of your perception of the world that's being built is dependent on the translation and that can that can play a really big that, role in it as well
0: that is a huge well i got a couple of points on this one the first one is that um, i feel like sort of torn on that topic because on one hand i like the world that's created in these movies when they just kind of have fun with the history. They don't sweat the st- don't sweat it too much. Um, on the other hand, I, you know, you sort of, you know, I want to be careful to understand that that is like, not always a hundred percent accurate. You don't want to get like, you sort of see the same thing in fantasy and science fiction where you, if you, if you're somebody who gets all your information about the middle ages from fantasy or all your information about science from science fiction, you can end up with some really strange ideas. So I th- I think it's, uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, like that but also on the point that you just raised when it comes to things like institutions that's I mean that's a huge issue that I've encountered where I've I've been like I you know it's like you know if they decide to call somebody King versus call them governor versus call you know like because the the, the, the the subs and the dubs on these things can be all over the map and you know they could even have like really a, anachronistic titles like they might you know they might call a guy like a cop or you know or or you know when he's when he's when it's like a when it's like a little bit of a a a more nuanced position that he's holding in society so um so yeah i I think that's definitely but then i guess i don't know how you like short of learning the language i don't know like because there's only so much information they can convey to you on that uh on the uh on the subs and on the dubs and
1: so yeah i mean that's that's, well that's one of the reasons why i've done what i why i'm doing what i'm doing on my youtube channels i'm trying to get as much sort of like accurate relatively accurate information there for people to have access to and like the yeah the sub the subtitle and dubbing situation is um can be very problematic because one of, I mean, there's many problems. One of the problems being that sometimes the translator's attitude is that, oh, this is, this is stuff that Western audience either a wouldn't be interested in or b wouldn't understand, so they decide, oh, we just won't translate it. Like literally, they'll, you know, they'll they'll just leave stuff out because they think it's not important. And then there's the whole like, obviously, um, you only have a limited space with the subtitles. I mean, people can't read they can only read so quickly, so you can't include every single little aspect, and you can't include footnotes and stuff. One of the things that really struck me recently was when I went back to um, watch Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I mentioned this in another of the videos, and it really just blew my mind that some of the most important, I mean, I had heard of this before, but to see with my own eyes how some of the most important plot points don't come across in the subtitles, I find it pretty shocking, because, like, that's, Considered one of the, you know, I mean, it won an Oscar, right?
0: Um, well, and it was, and it was like a, it was like a, a U.S.-Chinese production, right? Like, wasn't it? Like yeah. A, and, so you would think that they would have,
1: yeah. And, and I, so I, I mean, it's it's reported that the director um, edited the subtitles. Which, if that's true, I'm even more mind blown because just there's stuff that is completely missed it. like the the point the point that I brought up in one of my videos was how um, the there's information about the green destiny sword and stuff that is completely left out in the subtitles that makes the entire plot make sense cuz in the in the movie where the girl who in the subtitles is called Jen I think You know, she goes to steal the Green Destiny sword, and they never explain why she does it. It makes it just seem like she just kind of wants the sword because it's cool or something. Mm -hmm. But the whole point for, the whole reason why she did it was because she was studying the Wudong martial arts. And uh, Michelle Yeoh's character mentions to her that the only way to truly understand the the Wudong fighting is to use the Green Destiny sword. And in that moment, you see the girl's eyes light up. And then the next scene, she steals a sword. So it sets the framework for the entire plot, but it, they don't mention that in the subtitles.
0: Okay. All right. That's interesting. I, I It's been a couple of years, I think, since I've seen that last. So I, 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 I Now, are there? do you know if there are different versions of the subs out there, or is it still like the same subs that uh, were in the theater uh,
1: when we first saw it? Not, I mean, maybe a fan has. I really don't think anybody has gone back to fans of it. And 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 I remember that line, that scene from the first time I saw the movie, and the subsequent times that I watched it over the years. And it's been a few years since I watched it, but when I went to find that scene, the subtitles were exactly how I remember. Mm. Um, if you go and watch my video on swords and sabers, I have the, I have it re-subtitled correctly, and in the original subtitles, basically. Um, Jen, the girl, says to Michelle Yeoh's character, she's like, oh, you know, you're um, you're a fighter, right? And in the subtitles, Michelle Yeoh's character basically says, yes, but I prefer the the machete, she calls it, or the saber. She's, and then she says, some moves are just appropriate for the sword, or something like that. That was it. And so I, I went back to find that clip for the video, because I was talking about the differences between swords and sabers. And then as I was listening to the Chinese, I was like, wait a second, that's not what she says. And, yeah, she specifically references the Wudong martial arts and the Green Destiny sword. And then considering that Jen is studying that. But remember, the whole reason she was upset with her own master was because she was studying these Wudong martial arts that her master had stolen. And, she, and Jen was really talented with martial arts and was, had actually surpassed her master's ability already and yet knew that she couldn't use them to their full extent and didn't know why. And was upset with her master because her master didn't even know why. And then she, so she thought that the reason that she was missing all that was because she was missing the sword, which is why she stole it. So
0: there was, uh, there was a movie I saw last week called uh, Jade Dagger Ninja, um, and it, it's, it's also tra- it's, uh, there's another version of it called Shaolin Fox Conspiracy, and it's based on a Gulong story, and uh, it's. Uh, I can't, what's the name? The character with the four eyebrows. I can't remember his name, but it's one of those. Uh, is Lewis Fun? Uh, I think that's it. I think that's who it was. Um, uh, but, so, what do you think when they, when they, when they're doing a dub and they, they change it, but they do it to, like, they're having fun. Like, so in this one, right, there was, uh, I, I watched the subs and I watched the dub version. In the sub version, he's fighting these four guys, and I forget what they, what they're called in the subs, but... He he beats them and he says like, oh, you said that you're invincible. You know, I see no evidence of that or something to that effect. But in the dub version, they I think they call themselves the Four Kings, and he says, oh, the Four Kings. You know, you know, no Four King good. You know, so there was some pun on on the Four King, and but see, it, 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 but I enjoyed myself a lot more on the on the dub. I, think,
1: I mean, I um, like. When it comes to humor, I'm very open to um, being flexible. I, when I do translations, I definitely um, cater to the like. Like, so I was talking with the author of the books that I translate, and he um, he actually proactively, or I don't know what the right word is. I didn't I didn't mention what I felt about it. He basically echoed my own sentiments, which was he said that you know the point of his writing is to you know listed emotions from the audience basically and that that should be the main goal uh, it's hard to say with you know the scene you're talking about I wouldn't I mean I I wouldn't be surprised if in the Chinese he makes some pun or joke about it and so maybe the they try to carry that across and I definitely do that all um, like one perfect example is in the, the novel I translated I shall So the heavens the, there's this carrot there sorry not not a carrot there's a character who's a parrot and the character has has a few catchphrases, and one of the catchphrases in um, in Chinese is actually he says your sister a lot. Um, but the thing is, that's actually pretty vulgar in Chinese, and it's also very funny. So the way I translated it is, is, I would have him say bitch instead of your sister, okay. and it's it, it added a level of humor because um, he would use it. You know, he'd be like, you know, I'll take you down, bitch, and it sounds like pretty like kind of yeah. funny and like a little bit vulgar in English as well. Um, but if I translated it directly as your sister, I just, I feel like it loses a lot of it. So yeah, I'm definitely open to being flexible, especially when it comes to the humor.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I was, I was wondering about that. I, and the thing is I st- you know, because the subs could have been just as inaccurate. So I didn't really know which one had better grounding in the, the original uh, usually the subs seem to, but on humor, I was like, well, I don't know, but but I really doubtful that, that no forking good translate directly <laughs> into the, the Chinese. <laughs> think.
1: Oh, well, you know, okay, yeah, I don't wanna guess because I mean I mean the first thing that jumps to mind to me is something I mean, four kings actually sound like sounds depending on how you said it, could actually sound very close to the word for death. So I can see like a lot of easy puns to come out of that. I mean puns are so easy in chinese and they, it's so hard to translate them that i can i can see the translators you know trying to tweak it a bit
0: well you know and, and they come i mean they obviously come up a lot in the movies and there'll be moments where you're like like you i know that there's like a pun thing going on with the names or something but like it's not coming across to me whatever you know and and and, 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 and i mean it'll happen like six times in a single movie like you just you know um and uh you know but some of them it seems like they they're able to do it and some of them they're just able to at least let you know that that's happening somehow but right um, it's
1: a easier when we're translating fiction but uh when you're doing a movie i can imagine it being even more difficult to have that come across
0: okay yeah that that uh i think that definitely makes sense um but yeah i don't know uh what um what was it i wanted to ask you uh oh what, what what's your just like i don't know like do, do you feel like now that you've been living there and all like is that uh like is that affected like when you first set out to do this right like i mean you 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 know uh, d- like where would you where did you expect this was going to lead and like how like how do you know what i mean like yeah
1: i know what you mean and i mean i mean don't forget that i got into translating originally as a hobby to improve my Chinese, and I was already here in China before I even started doing that. So it's not like I moved to China to like do research for my translating or something. Uh, but it definitely helps. I would say it doesn't help much in terms of the historical stuff. It, it The average Chinese person, in my opinion, probably doesn't know. In fact... I probably know a lot more about Chinese history and stuff than the average Chinese person because of all the research I've done. Even just like, I've tried to have a few conversations with uh, my father-in-law my brother-in-law about certain historical things, and the thing is, like, they just, they don't really know. They they know what they've seen in movies and stuff like that, but they don't know the historical, um, you know, details. But in terms of culture, living here has helped tremendously. Um, in Legends of Ogregate I tried to keep it s- mostly culturally relevant, but I did take a few—I did veer off in a few directions intentionally. Uh, because if you, it's very hard to capture um, some things, like especially how um, forms of address and things like that. Also, it's extremely common in Ch- Chinese to refer to yourself in the third person, and you see that a lot in translations. I think that. So, But I didn't do that. I didn't have the characters constantly addressing each other in a certain way, and I didn't have them referring to themselves in the third person in in a, in a different way. So in terms of the way that the characters in Legends of Oregate talk to each other, I feel like it's actually not super accurate in terms of how it would be. But I, I, I intentionally did that because I wanted to focus more on developing their characters' personalities and having that reflect in their language. Uh, anyway, the point is just being here in China and being around that constantly definitely... Uh, helped, and I I think that this is one place where Legends of Oregate is is ha, has an advantage over some of the other uh, Usha and Sanxia related fiction that people put out because I noticed this in so there's a book called Unsold by Will White, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody who hasn't read it. It's a he's a, a Western writer, and he has original fiction that is based in an, in a Fictional fantasy Asian-inspired world, so it's not supposed to be China or anything like that. Um, and, and it's really well written, and it's fun, and stuff. So I definitely recommend it. <clears throat> but the thing that jumped out to me immediately when I started reading it is that it did not seem at all like China. Okay. And I think a lot of a lot of Western writers tend to do that because China is so different and so there's so many things about it that are not like Western culture that they tend to try to make their Asian-inspired and Musha-inspired and sensei inspired fiction more Western-like to me. So I feel like Age, uh, Legends of Overgate, I feel like is pretty culturally accurate in terms of how the characters act and respond to different things, and that's one advantage it has.
0: Okay, okay. Is there is there like a specific thing that you find like people tend to do uh, when they're... Like, like, I don't know, like, like a a trap that you can fall into if you're not aware that it's, you know, there's,
1: well, it's, I I don't know if there's any, if I could put it into a, you know, a, 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 a sentence or two, but, um, I sort of touch on this in the video that I did on face, which is a lot of times the things that come across as being silly in Chinese stories and fiction and stuff, a lot of a lot of times they're actually not silly they're real but western people like especially the things to do with face and and i and i remember when i was reading specifically it was a smiling proud wanderer. i think the translation the fan translation of that i remember a scene where there were these shaolin monks who at the time i was thinking they were just acting so so unrealistically because of the face situation that was involved in their fighting and stuff and but later I came to realize that it wasn't really that unrealistic after all um, and so I think that's one trap and um, but it's hard to really it's hard to understand those things without doing a, a lot of digging into Chinese culture and, and I think being a part of it really is is something that helps a lot
0: okay yeah I would, I would imagine I mean I, I I you know the I, I mean I, again I, th- I think you know the the, the movies are often the the, the only window that we have you know yeah if we're, if we're good. I mean
1: if if you pay close attention then you'll it, it'll help a lot like uh, and here's an example one thing I remember talking to you about when I was part of the, the the Sunday wandering years of overgate campaign was it was very fun and very cool but I totally felt like I was just with a bunch of Americans like <laughs> you know like Yep. it didn't feel at all like i was in a an asian world yeah which is fine it was totally fun but like i, I remember for example the characters would be like they would the, the 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 players would say okay i walk into the inn and i say buy a round of drinks for everybody and like it just it that kind of stuff doesn't happen in in especially in Usha Kung Fu well, And setting. I remember
0: that one because you pointed that out to people. That was one where you you, you, you took a moment yeah. and you explained to people why like why that wouldn't happen. Um, yeah, I was like, I'll buy you a
1: drink. No, just, I mean, it, it could happen if it, in the right, but I mean, you if you watch a lot of Usha and Kung Fu movies, like did you ever see like a guy walk into the bar with his sword and like be like, let's have a drink together. I mean, if you sit down at the table, you order drinks and then you like pour a drink for the other guy. And, I mean, you, it, it can happen, but just not like, sidle up to the bar and be like two whiskeys please or like doesn't yeah no,
0: really... you usually it's like the i mean i mean I, I have seen characters you know sit down to drink together or offer people drink but there's always the possibility in the movies that somebody's being poisoned in those situations kind of like you said during the game and uh like like in dragon inn there's like a famous sort of scene like that and and you see stuff like that a lot so i think uh you know i well i well, It's funny when it, when it comes to gaming it's a, it's particularly tricky because it's it's very dependent on what everybody who's there that's playing like what their experience has been with right. with all the genre elements with all the uh you know the historical elements and so uh i found that particularly helpful having you there because you could sort of you know kind of point to things over time and it I don't know it just, it's just it's sort of those things accrued, and so yeah. uh I found it beneficial uh but um but yeah i don't That's know I, a, I, oh go ahead,
1: just I was saying there's some things that you don't you're never gonna pick up on unless I think you're in the culture like I wrote a an usha story, a relatively long short story years ago, probably ten years ago or more um after I had watched and Tiger Hidden Dragon and after I had read a lot of translations, and then when I went back years later to read it again, I noticed the same thing that I just pointed out with that Will White novel. It was like, cool, but it totally seemed like white guy that doesn't know much about Chinese culture but really likes it, writing a story about ancient China but not really sort of like understanding how it works.
0: Okay. and you, But you, th- but you de- I mean, like, so that sounds like like living there has really sort of given you a lot more insight, uh, just from the direct experience.
1: I think so in terms of the culture and and how people interact with each other. And so
0: no, I think I mean I think it comes through in the legends of Ogre Gate stuff. Like I I definitely you know sense that, and I feel like the times like you were saying where it didn't were kind of like more like times you were sort of not choosing to do like you know what I mean like right. like uh, so. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, a lot do. of the, a lot of the
1: conversations are definitely more, um, but I, I feel like it's. I feel like directly translating a lot of those things is can can be important, but sometimes it's a disservice because I feel that the reader, like my goal as a translator, and I, I'm as in, also in, in writing Lebs of Oregate was, um, I would like the reader to to as much as possible experience the story the way that. A native speaker of that language would experience it, uh, so that's for translating. But *Ledges of to a large extent, I sort of—I don't—I didn't write it in Chinese and translate it into English, but I tried to write it as though I were translating it from Chinese, not to make it sound like a translation, but to be culturally accurate. And so I feel like, you know, when Chinese people are talking to each other, um, it doesn't sound weird to them. So if the dialogue in the translation or the writing comes across as weird and foreign, I feel like that's a disservice. And I know a lot of a lot of people enjoy the foreign aspect and they like they like the, like it to be exotic and, and things like that. And I think that has its place. But for me, my my personal preference is that they get sucked into the story the same way that a native speaker would get sucked into the story. So, you know, a perfect example is the third person thing. Like I said, really, really common for people to to use the third person. Um, But if you throw the third person into the story all the time, then it makes them sound like they're like superhero villains or or something like that.
0: So, and I guess it's a fine line too, because there's stuff that are recurring things that you might want to bring in, but you don't want it to sort of make, you don't want it to pull the person out of the, you know, make the, have the character feel, you know, like have the character come across in a way that they're not coming across in the original language.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. And then it, then it gets hard when, when those become important plot points. Like in my current translation that I'm working on now, there's a pretty there's a recurring joke early on in the in the story where the main character, who is only supposed to be in his teens, uh, starts using a third-person form of address that only somebody like like a king or something would use. And it gets very hard to to carry that across into the translation and have it sound natural. And 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 at the same time, you know, like if you leave it out, then you miss out that miss out on that entire plot point. So it's, it can be tricky.
0: Sometimes I wish, like, uh, you know, I like history books, and history books are filled with footnotes. And I really wish that translations had way more footnotes on the page because you sometimes they them in the back of the book, which is fine. But if you have it like on the actual page and you have a lot of them to explain things. I don't know. I feel like then you can get away with like, okay, this was translated for this particular reason and it works and now I can explain it better on the, you know, so I don't
1: know. I, I just, uh, I, sure I want to, I'm actually going to go back to the podcast and get this line from you and like record it and, and keep it on hand. Cause there's a lot of, there are a lot of translators and fact, on the world, virtually all the translators hate subtitles mm-hmm. and sorry, sorry, not subtitles, footnotes. Um, and they're like really against footnotes. Like I don't ever want to have footnotes. I hate footnotes. But I'm like I've the opposite, I, like you. I remember reading things like um, Three Kingdoms and Water Margin and or Outlaws of the Marsh, and, and I and actually um, Smiling Proud Wanderer, the original translator Lanny Lin or Lan, um, he included at least five or six footnotes per chapter with cultural stuff, and I really liked that. I thought it helped a lot
0: that was a fan translation though right that wasn't like yeah the official yeah fan. there's no licensed mm. translation for that yet no i find i find the footnotes helpful like like really helpful i expect uh i i think it was the i forget the name of the book the one about the white-haired witch the um uh i can't uh. recall the exact name of it but i i if i remember i think the one that i read had a bunch of footnotes, but they were super helpful. Like they were like, oh, just so you know, this is like, you know, this is a reference to the emperor. You know, like the and 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 in a lot of translations, these these notes wouldn't have been there. And it and uh, you know, it's useful. It's just useful to know that you know, oh, you know, I need my atten- you know to draw the reader's attention to something or explain something. So, um, but they are more work, I guess. So I don't know. Maybe that's another aspect of it. Like it does add another level of grind. For the, yeah, for the translation. I think some I think some translators
1: feel that that it, that a good translation shouldn't need the footnotes. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, if you're especially in nonfiction, I mean, nonfiction is a different story. But with fiction, I, I can see the point where having you know five footnotes per chapter can interrupt the process of reading. And I I nowadays I do try to avoid it as much as possible. And I'll be more liberal with the translation. So for example perfect example is the idioms Um, it early in my translations what i would do is i would like directly translate the idiom and then i would have a footnote to explain what it meant in english or sometimes i would just translate it directly into english and then put a footnote to explain what the chinese meant and nowadays what i tend to do is i kind of do a little bit of both like i'll say um, like in the narrative it'll say something like uh, uh as the ancient saying goes and then I'll put the actual direct translation. Then I'll put comma, and then I'll say, and then I'll provide an explanation for how it pertains to the story. So um, that kind of gives the best of both worlds, I guess.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess where I find it most frustrating when they're not present is if you have, like, say, a monster, and, like, the translator just, you know, you, you know okay, this is a vampire or something, or whatever they translated it as, uh, and they don't explain it, that's you know because because then you can you can get stuck thinking oh it's just okay vampire i know what a vampire is and then no it's not a vampire it's something a little more specific than that um you know or you know just that that sort of thing and i i encounter that a lot when i'm when i'm reading stuff and so uh i don't know oh go ahead i mean i i can sort of see the thing about a good translation shouldn't need footnotes but also i don't think like translation's not like poetry right it's not like it's 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 there's information in there that you might not like if you because you're making choices when you translate. And when you make a choice, something might get lost. And so I see that the footnote is like a way to salvage what would be lost, I would think.
1: Um, I, I agree. I think that there's I mean, there's different there's certain things that you cannot um, impart without the footnote. Mm-hmm. And for those, I feel like there should be footnotes. And then for the other things, I feel that the translators should do their best to. Um, carry across the meaning as, as much as they can without it, and then don't just let that information slip through the cracks by just saying, ah, oh, whatever, the reader doesn't, doesn't care about it. And another example is the, um, well, this kind of pertains to the whole subtitling and, and dubbing and all, all those different things, is uh, how the, I mean, the way that the translator chooses to translate stuff is big, like in this uh, Chinese martial arts um, nonfiction. Uh, historical book that I'm reading he he translates saber as sword and then he translates so in so you know if you are unsure about what I'm talking about go look at my video on sabers (laughs) and swords on YouTube but basically you know the saber is the um, single-edged curved blade that you see in all the kung fu movies and then the sword is the double-edged straight you know gentleman's weapon which in um, ogre gate is the oxtail dao and the jian sword but in this martial arts book, he translates saber as sword, and then translates the Jin sword as long sword. Okay. And and the problem is when <clears throat> you're reading novels, that's kind of a big difference between those two weapons, as I talk about in that video. And if, if you don't, if you you don't explain which one you're talking about, it can be very confusing. And then don't even mention monsters. I mean, your example of vampires is perfect.
0: Well, no, I mean, I had I had a situation where uh, I had a character, and I think I called him something twirling saber, and I just chose saber because it sounded better. But he was actually using a Jian sword, and I th- I figured it wouldn't matter. But my my, my players noticed, and uh, and well, I was like, "Hey, Brendan, uh, you know, not 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 uh, all sabers are swords, but not all swords are sabers." And, uh,
1: yeah. and so, yeah, uh, exactly
0: but uh but yeah so i think i think that's just one of those things um but yeah so we're we're coming on uh 50 minutes so i don't want to keep you too long but is there is there anything else we didn't cover that we wanted to talk about before we
1: i think we hit the main points um I, if yeah me and you could probably just talk for like hours and hours about all this stuff
0: so um so yeah so i guess we'll so oh we should say legend of ogre gate is all available now like that's uh that's that's ready to read. The cha- uh, you dropped the chapters last week, right?
1: So, yeah. So the whole thing is on Musha World, and um, I'm I'm currently in the process of editing it to release it in ebook and maybe printed format, and definitely you can check it out on Musha World. Um, or if you want to wait, the I'm gonna be tweaking and cleaning up the entire story to make it a little bit more readable, fixing some of the mistakes. So you can also wait for the the officially. Uh, book the officially published book version if you want or go on to which world in the original section I think is where it is right now
0: okay and um and yeah so uh so again and also uh uh, what's the the, your YouTube channel that we mentioned as well so that uh
1: oh right just Deathblade you can search for Deathblade on YouTube and it should come up uh the username is Deathblade okay so
0: so alright so we're gonna let you guys go and uh and we'll we'll talk to you later